Disappointing loss for the Owls sends FAU to Montgomery. FAU fans, hope you guys like Waffle House. Welcome back to an episode of the Shula Bowl Podcast. As always, we're brought to you by the great folks over at Five Reason Sports. You can find them on Twitter at the number Five Reason Sports. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Shula Bowl Pod. Full house tonight. Myself, David Shane, the fellas, we're all back together. Going to start off really quickly. No, we are recording here on Monday night, the 14th, a couple days after, or a few days after the FAU lost to Southern Miss. Really disappointing Southern Miss team, at least my opinion. I will turn the floor over to Shane in a second to kind of give his POV on the on the game that took place Thursday night. 45-31 loss. Just from my vantage point, it, it seemed to me as if this was really a, a Southern Miss's Super Bowl, you know? So in that sense, they certainly got up and wanted to send their season uh, into the offseason or the rest of their, their plays into the offseason on a high note, especially given a coaching change and a new head coach in will hall uh not gonna go too long so shane gonna send away to you um i know you've probably talked about the game on the fe owls nest and elsewhere but just for uh Shulbo, uh your thoughts on the loss of southern miss oh we actually we haven't recorded so uh this is my first voice take on it yeah okay. uh it, it you know what though it's one of those sometimes where you're too close um and maybe you know i work on this with kind of quasi you know covering the owls and, you know, still obviously, you know, being someone that roots for them, it's it's like one of those situations where it, you, you hear just how much trouble Southern Miss is having, but then when you step back and go, oh, wait a second, and, and I, David knows this as well, you know, you, you, you try and look at things from a betting angle, right? Uh, and I hate to use that in like a college football prediction uh, type thing and why things are coming, but the money was coming on Southern Miss before that game. Why? After you played a physical triple option a few days before that, they were beat up. It was, you know, that Georgia Southern game. It's one of those games where every other time guys come off the field. And then you follow that up with the infamous Thursday night short week, you know, type thing. How often how anyone who's kind of grown up or watched college football for any amount of time has gotten into a Thursday night and it ends in an upset, right? It's just, Alabama doesn't travel to Miss State on a Thursday night for a reason, right? It's just it's just one of those games where things get wacky. Uh, you know, FE was coming off short rest. Southern Miss had a couple of weeks to prepare. I read on the Southern Miss uh, board that they did a lot of different things on offense, like they saw some formations and obviously caught FE off guard. The offense played better. FE was really beat up at running back too, and you know, kind of like everyone's been this season, but. Yeah, it's just one of those games where you just you, you, you lost to an underdog at home. It, it happens in college football. FAU is a good team, but they're just not good enough to overcome those things right now. They're just all their losses this year were, you know, good teams on the road. Uh, and, you know, the, the bad team, I guess, was in a short week. You know, it, it, the difference between a, a good, I guess, what would you say, a good football team and a conference championship level football team is like kind of overcoming those type of games and they're just they just don't have that right now yeah Shane, i mean i'd agree with you 100 percent. the only thing that from my vantage point was a little bit troubling was the effectiveness of the southern miss rushing game one that had been really spotty throughout the year yes frank gore jr did get his his yards you know in spurts throughout the year but Part of that can be attributed to them playing Trey Lowe. That was not the style of quarterback that they had 
uh, for the majority of the season when they had Jack Abraham and Tate Watley. So when you put an athletic guy back there and Trey Lowe, that yeah, it, a different dynamic as well. Go ahead, Shane. Yeah, it, well, I, I just think a lot of it. I know, you know, I'm not going to say exactly what it were. I, it, Chase last year, after he's best run defending linebacker, wasn't even supposed to play that game. And he right. came in later. And I think if you kind of slip after like the big long Frank Gore run, they're like, oh crap, you know, we're just. And Chase Laster played with two, I, but pretty injuries. He, you know, the, the real serious football injuries. I mean, he toughed it out. He's a tough kid, but he missed some tackles that he never misses. I, I, I just think the rushing attack, the D lineman on the short week. I think he was just missing tackles. Right? It, they just look like a team that just didn't want. Didn't, they look like a defense that just didn't want it that night. <laughs> and Southern Miss kind of took advantage of it. You know, um, you know, maybe they're a little cocky. Southern Miss, they, they came in and they weren't 100%. And if you don't give 100% in college football, you're going to lose. So I'm not saying they didn't try, but it, you guys kind of understand what I'm saying. Sure, most definitely. And like I said, we're not going to harp on this loss too much because the game that I really want to talk about, and I want to ask David as an outsider's perspective, just a really casual question here. When he hears the name Memphis, Memphis Tigers football, what comes to mind? Because FAU will be taking on Memphis in a bowl game that I think, quite frankly, if you're an FAU fan, you got to be pretty excited. I mean, yes, I don't know what bowl game they would have gone to had they won that game. I mean, the circumstances may have played out where maybe they, you know, uh, have a chance to play in a CUSA title game. But of course, those circumstances didn't play out with the loss. But I think it's a great scenario for FAU to play a team like Memphis that while they're not at their best this year, they've had success over the past four or five years. Shane, before I come to you on the bowl matchup, David, just want to ask you, it's a broad question. When you hear Memphis, like as someone who is a observer and fan of college football and specifically at the group of five level, like, if I said to you Memphis, if I if I you were playing Memphis, uh, what would be like that first thing that comes to your mind when you're in Memphis? Because I know I have my idea, but uh, I just want to hear what your thoughts are really quickly. Um, when I think Memphis, I mean, I think of a good football team. They're one of the top teams in the American. Uh, I think it's a great, you know, matchup wise. Like it's it's a well like known team for college football fans, and you know. Obviously, they weren't as good as they were last year because they lost their coach, but they're still a good matchup, and it's a good name to have FAU go up against, and it's it's good for FAU fans at least. Uh, they're Well, I don't know how most of them feel, but I think it's nice to finally play in a bowl game that's not going to be the bulk of bowl. Um, you know, so hopefully maybe – I don't know how the travel restrictions are going to happen with some of these bowls, but, you know, some of them can leave Boca for a bit. But I think, I think Memphis is a good team uh, to play. And, uh, yeah, you know, hopefully they crush FAU. <laughs> Shane, want to send it right to you on that one, man. Just your thoughts on FAU Memphis, that matchup, maybe not the most prestigious bowl game in the Montgomery Bowl, which I apologize. I, I actually mixed it up a while back, uh, maybe on the Shula Bowl Twitter account for the Camellia Bowl. That game, both games will be played from the historic, in quotes, Crampton Bowl Stadium. But the new Montgomery Bowl is replacing the Fenway Bowl, which had to be postponed for a year. So that's the game that FAU is heading to. But Shane, uh, take away your thoughts. You know, my first thought when I think um, Memphis, the first thing is I think Derrick Rose. And then I think (laughs) Derrick Rose winning the MVP in 2011 and how LeBron should have won it that year. And voters were just tired of voting for LeBron. And, you know, it was just... LeBron should have won the MVP in 2011, and that's what I think. 
Okay. So, <laughs> um, funny for uh, maybe FIU fans that don't know this, this, I mean, you agree, obviously, David, right? We're on the same page here. Same page, Shane. I, I could yeah, okay. I couldn't have put it better myself. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I think his first bowling ever is a, was a game against Memphis in the New Orleans Bowl back in 2007. So there is a little bit of history here. Um, yeah, I just think it's funny how the matches, you know, how these kind of bowl matches uh, end up, right? The bowl, bowl you know, it, it, it's just FAU in 2000. 17 get Akron in the vocal bowl and now UCF gets BYU. Uh, I do, I do think there's an element to FAU do fan do. I get it. You want to travel for a bowl, but the vocal bowl is probably in the top five of G five bowls right now, overall, because when you factor location and like, you know, what kind of brings to it, a lot of teams want to go there. Um, but yeah, you know, Memphis was a team before COVID when, uh, was one of those, uh, you know, kind of when you're watching a college football show in the middle of March and they're like, give us your G5 team that could surprise and be undefeated and make New York six or make a playoff run and things get wacky. Memphis was there. I mean, Memphis just a year ago was in New York, uh, New Year's Eve six bowl. Uh, you know, they, um, Brady White is, is, you know, still the quarterback there. Uh, I, excuse me, I'm forgetting the name of the running back that they have that opted out before the year is one of the best in G5. I'm sure Eric. Uh, Kenny, Kenny Gainwell. You know, yeah, Kenny Gainwell. And uh, Kenny Gainwell's younger brother was actually there. He just entered the transfer portal. But, yeah, I mean, but, you know, Memphis has not been the team they've been. They've just, you know, like any other team, had lots of opt-outs and kind of just a crazy season and, probably wasn't the season they wanted um, Brady White uh, to have. Even How long has Brady White been in football? He, he's like 33 at this point, right? Something like that. <laughs> he didn't yeah, have right? uh, fighting for oldest player in CFB next year. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he, 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 he was like drafted the same year, or he was like started the same year as Ryan Tannehill in college. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, so I, uh, any chance to go beat an American team, is good for FAU. Uh, also, I think it just kind of matches the matchups are fun. I mean, FAU's defense, I think last the Southern Miss game was an aberration. I think they'll be healthier and much better for this game. So it's going to be kind of Memphis's offense, which is still very potent versus FAU's defense. And Memphis's defense has been kind of weak all year. And, you know, maybe FAU can get some of the running backs back. And, you know, Tronti did play has played much better since he's been inserted back in the lineup. So, you know, I think they'll be able to score enough points in that game. So I think it's kind of a fun matchup. Just to piggyback off Shane's Brady white point, he committed to Arizona state on March the 2nd of 2014. So that kind of goes to show you how long Brady white's been in the whole college football uh, (laughs) landscape. Just, you know, my quick thoughts on this game, kind of just echoing what David and Shane both said. I really like this matchup. You know, I, I think back to last year, FIU getting in the Camellia Bowl and taking on Arkansas State. And yes, Arkansas State is a very solid and respectable group of five program, but nobody in the Sun Belt outside of maybe your App State is going to have the cachet and name recognition that Memphis does because Memphis had those legendary battles with UCF. And as Shane mentioned, they were, when you talk about dark horse teams for that New Year's Six Bowl game, Memphis inevitably always comes up. 
really well coached. Even this year, they're seven and three with a couple slip ups. I know they had a game earlier this year against USF that they should have lost, but managed to come back and win. So if I were an FAU fan, I'd be really excited about this matchup. Maybe not so excited about heading to Montgomery, but I do mean this in all sincerity. It is a COVID year, so I, not much you can do anyways in Montgomery. But anyone need tips in Montgomery what to go out and do? Hit me up because I, I was there for, four, for three and a half hey, days last uh, year. Uh, I, I was, I'm in a group chat, obviously, a bunch of my college alumni buddies. Uh, and someone messaged this morning, you know, with a screenshot of what a flight would be. And someone's like, I'm thinking of it. And one of them, you know, he, he was joking. And he goes, I just Googled things to do in Montgomery and the Hank Williams museum was third. I went to the civil rights museum, which was cool. I mean, obviously that, you know, that uh, was number one, that, that was, was number, number one. one, right? Right. That was and, number one. I, the irony of it is the number two on that list was the, old confederate um, <laughs> yeah so it's just <laughs> the diversity in that city with, yeah. without a doubt and I, I i know we're having fun but i do want to tell fau fans this um historic crampton bowl uh leaves a lot to be desired so uh, i'll just leave it at that uh, yeah they <laughs> haven't even announced that they're gonna be selling tickets yet so it, uh, not, okay. i you know okay. yeah okay. i i I've seen that kind of Twitter chatter. I haven't dug into it because uh, I will be watching that game at home. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I get it. But, yeah, I think it's a fun matchup. What I want to ask you, Eric, is yeah, just yeah, to yeah. be quite transparent here is I, I've watched like a, a game and a half of Memphis football this year. I watched them way early in the year when they played Arkansas State and when we got like that first taste of college football where – and then I think I watch and I watched them first, like flipping back and forth when they played USF in a game they kind of barely squeaked out. You know, Memphis is seven and three, but if you kind of go through their scores, it's a two points of one point victory over a USF team who has played better. You know, uh, but you know, one point victory. You look at a three point scored against Navy. Uh, you know, they're blown out by Cincinnati. They lost to you know it. it I can't figure out kind of what this team is, but yet then they have a victory over UCF. So it, it probably a lot like FAU in that situation. What are they? We can do a, you know, kind of a bold preview a little bit later on, but I'm going to kind of give you just off the top of my head, what I find really interesting. I am intrigued to see what the matchup will be because over the past few years, Memphis has been a running team. I mean, they've been run first, and that'll set up Brady White to make the throws that are there to guys like DeMonte Coxie and, you know, uh, the other playmakers, uh, the kid who's in Dallas right now, Tony Pollard, et cetera, right? Because of the opt-outs that they had with Gainwell, and then, of course, they lost DeMonte Coxie, they got a kid, Shane Calvin Austin III, who's a 1,000-yard receiver. Forgive me, I don't know offhand if he's going to play in the bowl game or not, um, but he and Sean Dykes, who's their tight end, I think that's going to be an interesting matchup. So I'm looking forward to seeing Memphis's passing attack versus FAU secondary. It's not necessarily that Brady White is going to scare you. I don't think that Brady White is someone that FAU fans should be fr- uh, uh, frightened of. But I am curious to kind of see, and I think it's going to be that Calvin Austin against, um, I don't know if it's going to be Smoke Mungin or, or you know, who will be there. But with, with Calvin Austin being a smaller guy, he's a, for FAU fans who don't know, he's, he's 
five eight, about a buck seventy, but it's a guy who's going to stretch the field and go vertical. So definitely oh, looking at perfect for Munson. That's a matchup. That's- right, which is why which is why I felt like that'd be a smoke Munson matchup, right, Shane? Yeah, and you know Munson was out that Southern Miss game, and I think I think that was sometimes you don't realize how good a player is. Munson has been a redshirt sophomore, I mean redshirt freshman starting this year. You don't realize how good a player is until he's gone a game. And it was like, well, FBU's DBs haven't been great. Southern Miss's receivers are the best they've seen all year. It's the first time they've really seen a team that had two of them. They saw Victor Tucker. But they pretty much Tim Jones and uh, Jason Bradley, who have been recruited, um, were probably two guys on the both equivalents of Victor Tucker, right? And, uh, yeah, man, they, they, they... they threw at Zion a little bit, but man, did they throw at that opposite side where Munjin wasn't. So, um, you know, Tim Jones kind of exploited that. So it, it would be, it's going to be real big help to get Roman Munjin back. Yeah. So on that note, we'll go ahead and transition. We're going to tee up David Handel here. I know Shane, you also wanted to uh, have a chance to be included on this pod as well to give your thoughts, but David, the FIU Panthers season is over at 0 and 5. That's been over a couple of weeks, but this is the first time that we're actually getting a chance to sit down and talk about it. The last game was the loss to Western Kentucky, one that we talked about, but there were cancellations and postponements and cancellations, and then finally it was made official by Conference USA. 0 and 5, the final record. Since the season has ended, there have been multiple players who have hit the transfer portal. Jeremiah Holloman, the Jeremiah Holloman era at FIU is over. Stone Norton is uh, transferring as well. Um, uh, Obina Nakwano, the uh, FAMU transfer, who ended up being a really good player for FIU as guard, is hitting the portal as well. Jordan Woods. Let's see, who am I missing? Uh, Noah Curtis is, is uh, entering the NFL draft. I believe that's everyone. Richard Dames is coming back. Uh, De- I think going to the draft too, right? Yeah, De- De'Antony Demery is heading to the NFL draft. So I think I pretty much covered everybody there. But, David, without further ado, um, you know, have at it, man. Hey, you're the 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 voice of the Panthers here, so zero uh, and five season's done. Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't think the season ever started. There's one, two asterisk season. Going to ride that narrative until next year, and three, it just there's not much more to say because it's just it's it's been such a disappointing year, and I think it, it's we're almost going to sound like a broken record just keep to continue like piling on on this team. Listen, it's. It's a, a year to forget. It's a year I hope to, you know, forget quickly. Uh, there's going to be a lot of changes made just on the team itself. It's We're going to look like – I don't even know who's going to be suiting up uh, next year uh, with all the guys leaving and, you know, all that fun stuff. But, you know, it's just there's, – there's not much more to say. Like, it's just it's just really disappointing. It's, um, you know, there's there were a few bright spots. Um, like, you know, Price is – I would say our MVP this year, but even him, I don't know what his status is going to be because he has the option to leave. Um, so there just isn't really much to say. I mean, like it just sucked this <laughs> this year. Just it, it just really sucked. Um, an absolute disappointment with very little bright spots, and and I I'm guessing there's a lot of changes coming. Uh, obviously, not only with the team, but possibly the coaching staff uh in general so i think that it's going to be a big you know i guess off season for fiu um let's see how recruiting is going to be impacted by this season and uh yeah man it's just very 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 disappointing i would not i did not think that we would 
have a winless season, um, you know, going, going into this year. So very disappointing and yeah, really, really sucked, Eric. Any, anything to any positives or what, what were your takeaways? Shane, really quick before I, before I, um, you know, kind of opine and also tee you up, I, David, I got a series of questions. I got like two or three questions. I want to ask you to put you on the spot as a fan, if you don't mind. Um, first one, and I've kind of tossed this around to a couple FIU fans on Twitter. Let's say that FIU went 0-5, right? But the quarterback situation at least felt a little bit more stable, whether it was Max Bordenschlager, Kalen Wiggins, or Stone Norton, one of those guys that established themselves. Would you at least feel a little bit better about the season if the quarterback situation were established? Oh, absolutely. If, if, we, if I knew you know, who our quarterback was going to be going into next year, um, I would you know, feel a little bit more confident. Because uh, once again, it's the most important position on the team, and the fact that you know Stone, as you mentioned, is leaving. Um, I I don't know. I'm assuming Max is coming back, um, but you know who knows at this point who's going to be there. And but yeah, we didn't get any consistent play from any of them. Um, no one really stood out, you know, significantly. So yeah, I would say that if if one of them really took the lead and you know made me feel comfortable going into next year, I wouldn't have like this much of a sour taste i mean i still would because we didn't win a game but you know i would feel at least a little bit more comfortable that the most important position on the field is at least hopefully taken care of before i give you kind of like my thoughts on what i, I think are, are positives and whatnot i, I want to kind of put you on the spot and ask you for one positive if there was one thing that you saw this year you know take the win loss record uh, aside for a second right one thing that made you said all right like this at least gives me some hope for the future. Uh, what would it be, David? I mean, the only positive, I mean, would be the run the run game. I think Devontae Price, um, once again, was the MVP, and hopefully he does come back. Um, and then, you know, just guys like if when Flex Joseph uh, gets healthier and comes back next year, I think he could, you know, really turn into hopefully, you know, uh, a stud uh he was you know a big part of the special teams and he had a couple kick returns this year probably the best special player in the conference uh one of the top in the the nation so him coming back was would be a positive um and another positive i mean it's it's, it's not really like it it was an improvement uh the run defense did better this year wasn't very like wasn't good or anything but it was definitely an improvement so i guess you know any improvement is I guess a good thing, but yeah, the the biggest the biggest plus this year was our run our run game, and you know our running backs were you know essentially our MVPs this year, especially Devontae Price. Shane, go ahead, have at it. Your thoughts or your or any thoughts or opinions you may have uh, from the outside perspective on FIU season. Ah, uh, you, you know, I I think this was almost kind of a long time coming. Uh, I, I just think kind of the bottom fell out, right? I think Morgan covered a lot of holes that you guys had last year, and UMWIN distracted everyone for a little bit, okay? I think the biggest positive for FIU right now is 35 kids enter the portal every day, okay? Uh, that's how many kids, like, entered the portal today, all right? There's going to be probably – when it's all said to 900 kids in the portal, many of them former high level three stars, four stars, five star kids. You can flip a roster really quick. Okay. I think for FIU's sake, right now they have, and I'm going to get a little bit more recruiting 
angle on this of how sure. things go forward. Uh, you know, you have 11 commits right now. I think, you know, we can do uh, for the recruiting nerds out there. I think the face of recruiting is changing on how things are ranked and stuff like that. I think you're going to see a lot more G5 classes, not be so much from that, you know, uh, 20 to 25 range in high school kids. I think it's going to get down probably to 12 to 16 high school kids and, uh, the evolution of the football, uh, the college football portal, and with probably, you know, uh, one-year signing rule uh, coming, they, uh, yeah, they, I, I think, it, you know, probably half of FIU's classes are going to be have to be transfers coming up, uh, which could flip a roster quick. And but I think let's let's just attack the elephant in the room here. Butch Davis is on his last year of his deal going into next year. Uh, the biggest rule, I think, in all of college football or any sport is you don't coach on a one-year deal, last year of your deal. You have no leverage. It's used against you. Uh, you know, It's why some coaches are just extended for a year just for the sake of extension for a year, right? So FIU has to address that one way or the other. I mean, they're doing themselves a full disservice if they let him go in on an expiring contract because it's only going to make it either he gets a new contract and flips it in 2021, right? It'll only be harder for him because he spent the last year recruiting on an expiring deal or he makes it harder for the next guy. So I don't know. I just FIU's into a kind of a rock and a hard place right now. I, I, Shane, I'm glad you mentioned that because initially going to the off season, I felt the way you did, but this is kind of the way I've come out of it. And I don't want to, you know, linger on it too much. So I do want to kind of focus on and leave room for, uh, at the end to kind of touch on the little bit of our early signing day stuff. That's going to come in a, in a couple of days, but Shane one in terms of Butch Davis recruiting on a one-year deal, Butch Davis has been kind of doing that in a sense in the, in the idea that he is 69 years old. He'll be 70 at the end of next year. I'm more than positive because I've heard this from uh, opposing coaches. I don't want to say the conference, but I've heard from opposing coaches. Uh, uh, well, screw, I guess I just outed it. I've heard from opposing CUSA assistant coaches that they use Butch Davis's age against him in recruiting. So they've been doing that for the past five, six, seven years. A. B, in terms of the leverage, I would fully agree with you if, once again, Butch Davis, who has given – no inclination to wanting to stop coaching anytime soon. And anytime I mention his age, he, he is uh, very quick to shut down that talk. But with that being said, he can also play the card of, all right, I don't, you're not going to get me to walk uh, unless you're going to, you know, get rid of me. I will be here and I'll coach out the one year. And if you don't want to extend me, then I'll just go hang out in Naples because that's where Butch Davis lives in the offseason. I'll just take, uh, I'll just go hang out in Naples and I'll resurface somewhere else. So I agree with what you're saying, Shane. But I do think this is a unique case and that there's two counters to it. Uh, I'm going to give you a chance to respond to it really quickly, but I want to uh, just quickly touch on some of just, you know, okay, my thoughts. Okay, age is Are, easy. Age is, age is, uh, is easy to argue against. Age is just a number. Look at Mac Brown. Look at Nick Saban. I think they're both 68 years old. So, they're they're so, both the same age um, as Bush Davis, 69. Or, or, or Mac okay, is 69. Yeah. I'm sorry. Mac is 69. I don't know about yeah. Nick. Yeah, they're, they're the same. Nick Saban is the same. Right. Age is easy. I mean, that's kind of a, 
um, it's not, age isn't a very black and white thing, right? I'm 69 years young, right? Uh, an expiring deal is a pretty black and white thing. Like that's, that. <laughs> so yeah, I it just, yeah, I mean, people could use, you know, people, could, I could find something to negative recruit on any coach except for Nick Saban in the country, right? Uh, yeah, and I can even negative recruit Dabo Sweeney. Uh, well, we joke about that all the time, <laughs> but um, yeah, like it's it's just, it's different. And you just, I don't know. I just like, I, I just think, God, this, I just think they just need a fresh start. I think Bush Davis brought some really good things and relevancy to the program, but man, I'm just, this reminds me, and I'm not saying there's little different things. This reminds me of the end of Howard Schnellenberger at FAU. And what happened was, and the reason why FAU for so long wasn't a program reaching to its potential, and I always blame it on this. They, they let Schnellenberger coach till he was done. But Schnellenberger, towards the end, and I'm not accusing this of Butch Davis, obviously was a very, you know, was an older man and just, you know, wasn't doing the same things he was doing 10 years before, Right. And they didn't have a true number two set up or a real plan, right? It was just Snellberger's going to retire, and then we'll figure this out. And that set the FAU program back seven until pretty much Charlie Partridge got there and really started the true rebuild, all right? Because then Pelini got there and tried to go straight JUCO and flip the roster quick, and then, you know, Partridge, right? That whole middle period where everyone's like, FAU isn't a winning program is because they let Schnellenberger hang around a couple years too long. And because he had a connection with the program and you couldn't dump your founder, but you know, they let him retire uh, during the summer and say, this is my last year. And FU won at 11 that season. So it's just, you know, these things never end well. Here's, here's what I'll say really quick, you know, because like I said, I don't want to get too bogged down and because and, we'll have plenty of time during the offseason to really kind of dive into that heavy. Um, as if, if you've ever been to an FIU practice, Butch Davis isn't just out there on the golf cart, you know, in the shade. And, and, and I'm not saying that you're saying that, Shane. I'm uh, just stating that for, yeah, for the record. Uh, right. You know, um, but here's, here's David. I, I want to quickly say this. And, you know, I actually kind of want Shane's thought on this as well. Um, my feeling, to be completely honest with you, is – Shane's 100% correct. This roster is going to get rebuilt through the portal. There's no way a way around that. And I think uh, it'll be interesting to see. They've already brought on uh, Savion Williams, who was the number one JUCO DT in the 2018 recruiting cycle. Memory serves me correct. Or maybe it was 2019 signed with Tennessee. He is now transferring to FIU. But you're going to see a lot of veteran players come to FIU. But this is kind of what I, I would look for if you're a Panther fan going forward. You're building around Sean Peterson Jr., Flex Joseph, and then uh, EJ Wilson, the running back. At tight ends, you got Fairweather, uh, who, quite frankly, was the best offensive weapon toward the end of the year, and then maybe a Sterling Palmer. Uh, I, I think those are young pieces that if you can get a quarterback in there, and we will have plenty of time to talk about quarterback issues with FAU and FIU, we both believe that you will see multiple transfer portal quarterbacks end up at both schools. But if you can get someone in there who can at least operate the offense, uh, whether it's Max Bortenschlager or otherwise, you have skill position guys, in my opinion, David, to where 
this isn't a four-year rebuild, in my opinion. What I think, and I was thinking about this earlier today, and I know you know Shane loves dating analogies, so I'm going to give him one here. We'll, we'll have fun with this when I, as we kind of you know bring the pod to a close after this. Butch Davis, this is what I would say would happen with FIU fans. Butch Davis was kind of taking FIU fans out to, you know, really great first dates and second dates and third dates, right? And kind of year one and year two. But what FIU fans didn't realize is he was kind of, while he was spending, you know, a ton of money and making everything happen, they didn't realize that he kind of knew the bartender and had like a hookup for the two for one deal there. And now you guys have come to that expectation that, man, we're going to win eight, nine games a year. And if you go back and look at the records of the teams they played, it weren't exactly, wasn't exactly that great. And now we've gotten in year three and year four, and FIU fans, you guys go out on date, and Butch Davis is like, well, we can't really afford that standard right now. And you guys are wanting to go to live, and FIU doesn't have live money right now. I think that's the big thing in terms of just the overall talent of the team. There, there are pieces that are talented, but it is uh, a y'all situation. Don't got, y'all don't got Ruby Tuesday's money right now. It, it, okay. Right. Let's, the, I, I think your comparison compares more to what – I'll let you finish, and I'll give you my dating comparison. Yeah, I'll, I'll finish up on this. There are pieces there that are talented. Um, I, I do think the biggest thing is that for this year's team, it would have been nice for them to get 10 or 11 games in because it's going to depend on those guys and their ability to grow in the offseason – as to what 2021 is going to look like. Shane, go ahead and hit it. So mine was, I made this to an FAU fan, and I'll maybe try and keep this as PG as possible, with, with fans being up with Lane Kiffin, right? And, and I think there was some frustration with this year. In the end, they still fought to be 5-1 considering, I mean, you lost the best player in the conference three weeks before the season at the most important position in college football, right? So the fact we kind of got a little spoiled with Willie Taggart starting 5-1, right? I mean, you know, if you just break down of who FAU had last year, not this year, James Pierre, Keyes Leroy, Rashad, we're talking about all-time great FAU players, uh, you know, just weren't there, right? And it's been, it's been tough to win some tough games. You got Lane Kiffin, who was that 10 at the bar. You were hooking up with her for a couple months. You knew it wasn't going to stick deep down inside. You, you knew this wasn't going to last. You probably had a couple other guys too, right? You were fine being her Thursday and Monday. Okay, you were fine with that. Now she left. And now there's a couple who go emotional issues with you, right? And now you're carrying those issues with like, a really nice eight you're dating and can bring home to mom. Okay. That's, that's kind of what's happened. <laughs> and, you know, the, the, the eight's not going to do all that crazy stuff, but, you know, she's going to be a solid foundation. And, you know, you, you're not checking her Instagram on a Saturday night, you know, when she's out with her friends. <laughs> <laughs> David, <you're, laughs> David, as as the the relative person or the the member was uh, the yeah, podcast where does that one rank in all time dating? And <laughs> David, as as the person's in a relationship, you want to go and uh, bring us home on that one? Just uh, your quick thoughts. 
Well, I don't have a dating analogy because I haven't been on a date in four years. I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't you don't go out you don't take your current girlfriend out and spend money i could i could have swear I, that there is if you go to our yo, chat, that, that's, that's, that's what i thought happened that's what i thought happened so that that <laughs> i do but you know i haven't i haven't I haven't been dating around in a while so I'm, I'm gonna leave the dating analogies for you guys and and just pray that 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 fiu lands the dime does it does does it did she listen are you just scared you're gonna say something um that that's gonna get you in trouble. I love you, honey. Thank you. I'm gonna remind Shane that we're still taping the podcast as I have not closed it yet. So there's no reason for, no for David to incriminate himself while we're way, I, the podcast. Yeah, I, I would be watch watch this be the only episode she listens to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, I will vouch for David's girl. I met her at the Tulane game or after Tulane game. She is a great girl, and I'm gonna make sure that it, things are kept. On the right path, David. I got your back. I'm not letting Shane send you down to the uh, the path of a single life like both of us. Uh, with that with that being said, uh, thank you for listening to the Shula Bowl Pod. As always, you can find us on Twitter at Shula Bowl Pod. You can find us on all your podcasting platforms. Only way we can grow this thing, leave reviews, slide into our DMs, let us know what you want to hear, doing right, doing wrong, etc. Check out 5 Reasons Sports at the number 5 Reason Sports, your home for South Florida sports. And you can find me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore. Find Shane on Twitter at Marinelli Shane. Find David on Twitter at Mr. Handel 321. Thank you for listening. Happy football watching. And we'll be back uh, with you guys shortly for a early signing day recap.